When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Jones, joined by Chris Beasley, Gav Buckland and Connor O'Neill, where we've just heard from Rafa Benitez for the first time in his first Everton press conference. And uh, obviously, the new manager has talked Talked a lot about potential transfers, his aims for the season uh, and lots more. So we'll get the lads' thoughts on that. But of course, it's not only Rafa Benitez that we have to talk about this week in terms of Everton news. Uh, We've got a little bit of an impromptu pre-season friendly at Finch Farm uh, to discuss on Saturday as Everton played Accrington Stanley. And of course, we've got to give a mention to Everton's involvement in the Euro 2020 final as well. In particular, Jordan Pickford's almost heroic performance on that day but Chris we'll, uh, we'll come back around to today's news Rafa Benitez's first press conference we were all tuning in a half yeah. one this afternoon well just a couple of minutes before half one actually yeah he was very prompt quickly. wasn't he yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know it's I know it's a little bit different over zoom but how do you mm-hmm. how do you think that your manager came across yeah, like like you said, it's sort of uh, totally different than uh, Carlo. Definitely keep us waiting for a few minutes um, last season. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what he wanted to do. Get all like the tough questions out of the way before anyone was watching. But no, um, it was interesting what he didn't say. What he said on the one hand, like you know, he always he talks well, doesn't he? He's a very experienced manager, and that's probably one of the main reasons why he's in, he's in the job, seen as being a safe a safe pair of hands who knows the territory, but. I thought it was telling. We've just been having a little chat now before we went on air about um, what he didn't say. I mean, he batted off all the stuff about the, the Liverpool connections and the sort of the manner you would expect, um, sort of playing it all down and, you know, quite rightly stating about how he's lived in the area now for, I think, now on 17 years. So he's obviously got friends and, you know, are both reds and blues, no matter what his past connections were with Anfield. But yeah, it was interesting what he didn't say in that you know he you know he he was he was asked about James Rodriguez and was was non-committal you know he did, he certainly didn't write it off but you know he he left he left it open and even like we said about the um, the position of Seamus Coleman as captain I mean that's not a particularly controversial call you would think but I guess he, he while being very nice about Seamus and saying lots of good things about him he was non-committal on that as well so it, it seems that there is. Um, a lot to still assess in the in the. I mean, it's a month today, isn't it, when the Premier League season kicks off? So um, yeah, fourteenth of August, we've got a month to go, and there's still probably uh, a lot that could, could happen there. He wasn't giving uh, much away. Mm. What did you make of it, Gav? Did you agree that he wasn't giving much away? I think he was he was quite positive in his manner yeah. at the very least. Anybody was very, as B says, he was he was pretty non-committal on a few issues, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he played everyone at the status of bats, to be honest with you. He yeah. was um he used to phrase my team a couple of times, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was uh, was good. Uh, my club um always goes down well at welcome and press conference. I thought I thought it was 
the fascinating one. If you may want to talk about, maybe want to be talking about anyway, was where I think we were talking about winning mentality. And he said he spoke to some of the senior players and he said there was something missing. Mm-hmm. You know, when Chris you say about like the stuff he didn't say, well, mm. he didn't then elaborate on that, did he? No, uh, no. But he, he didn't want to, I suppose. And but not, you know, and I, I would be have me have me ideas about what those bits and pieces are. But I, I thought that was um, that was interesting. I thought that Ozzy's question was interesting. There's hardly a day. <laughs> stay, stay, please, Hammer, stay. Um, <laughs> I thought the Coleman one was interesting. I thought he battered off the Liverpool connection really well, uh, to be honest with you. Um, he spoke about the the um, process things. Yeah, he just spoke three questions about that, wasn't he, I think, uh, mm. the Liverpool connection. Uh, he said he said a good analogy with Chelsea, didn't he, where he said when I went, went for food down at Chelsea, was you know, Chelsea fans were thanking me and saying nice things to me. So it just shows you that sometimes what... What happens on social media is not necessarily the reflection of the real world. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good, very, um, very vicious. He spoke about restrictions of FFP, apps, transfer activity. Um, but the one thing I think about was that senior players have been missing. You know, have a few things missing. You know, in the past, I've been second to see what they are and how he's going to rectify that. Mm. And Connor, of course, I think we were all expecting a few questions on those banners at Goodison Park and the one near his home to come up. But I think he uh, he dealt with those questions very well, didn't he? He was he was very clear that they they never came close to changing his mind. And I think that's probably it's probably a positive thing, isn't it, for a, for a new manager to come in and say? Yeah, it is. And if I'm being honest, I kind of expected him to say that, and I expected the kind of the, the polished performance we we've seen from him today because. He's got experience of being in the situation before. I mean, you think of when he, you know, took the Chelsea job. He was getting asked similar questions then about, you know, the, the fan backlash, people not being impressed. So it's not like you think he was. It's not as though he was walking into a kind of world where he, he probably wasn't braced for. I think he was braced for everything that was going to be going to be thrown at him. And I think let's face it as well. I think you know when he's he's gone for the job and when he's had talks about the job and when it's become clear he's probably he's going to get the job. He wouldn't know what was coming and he wouldn't know what was going to be asked of him. You know, he's, he's not. Well, he's, he's not, he doesn't seem a, a very, he's not a naive type of guy, Rafa, is he? I think he's very, he's very thoughtful. He, he thinks long and hard and he's a deep thinker. And I think, although he, he said the right things, I think he would have been expecting a lot of them. And I think he gave the perfect answers because, like I say, he's got experience in, in how to approach these situations and, and how to, you know, gauge the, the moves of the room and moves the, the fan base. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I think in some respects, then banners in, in, in many respects kind of, Gave him a little bit more, almost kinds of sympathy in, in, in many respects. I think you know, you, you think before them, them banners appeared, you know, there, there was a strong outrage on, on social media from fans. But then when you see that type of stuff, and you know, at the end of the day, he's just a he, he's a human, a guy's human with a family living, just doing a job. I think they kind of you know, people have more sympathy for him and, and almost more expect acceptance for what he was going to be doing and, and what he's, he is he's going to be doing now moving forward as, as Everton manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, B is one of the other big issues, as you've yeah. already mentioned, was the future of James Rodriguez. And yeah. when he was asked about the future of James, he kind of said, I don't think it'd be fair to talk about individuals. I want to yeah. talk about the team as a whole right now, which, you know, sidestepping the question a little bit. But how much do Everton fans read into that? Of course, as Connor said there, you know, Benitez has been in this position before. He will have known that this James Rodriguez question 
would have come up. So he's probably prepared that answer beforehand, hasn't he? How much how much the yeah. fans really to the fact that he was a bit non-committal? Yeah, well, it wasn't entirely convincing, was it? I'd, I'd have thought maybe if you'd have asked him about Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin, he'd have come out um, a bit more forthright in um, what he'd have said. Because you think if somebody's going to be integral in your plans, you say, yeah, you'd talk them up, wouldn't you? You'd say, what a, you know, a great player they are and what a, ta- a talent they are and the importance to the squad. Whereas when he was asked that, he said he didn't want to mention individuals and that... Um, that it was it was a team game. Uh, we know in the past they have worked together, same way that Carlo Ancelotti's worked together. But whereas Carlo Ancelotti signed him on three occasions, it seems that their previous relationship wasn't necessarily um, the, the the most fruitful. So that they, you know they they do have history. That needn't mean that they they can't work well together at Everton. But I just think given the the answer that he gave, it is um, it does leave you concerned that. Um, Hammers might not be yet at the club when the transfer window closes. We've also mentioned Everton got this um, pre-season game coming up against Colombian opposition as well. I mean, it would seem rather silly to to get rid of him before then, but whether he's still going to be there um, come come September, you, you, you've got to um, have your have your doubts because I think whether it was Rafa who came in or if it was anybody else, just. From when Carlo Ancelotti left the club, given that he's been so close with James and, like I said, he brought him to three different clubs now. Whoever came in, whether it was Rafa or somebody else, I think we would have those question marks. And I, and I, I definitely think they remain now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gav, if you were putting yourself in James Rodriguez's shoes, listening to those comments from Carlo Ancelotti, what would you have been? What would you have been thinking? Can I have 150 grand a week, yeah, please? Uh, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't. Doesn't say much. I would have. I think probably had conversations, wouldn't you? You would imagine. Um, so I think he probably knows. You know, I, I would imagine that that would probably want to be the first things and beneath us is inside, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, and uh, I don't think that it changes anything really. I still think that he'll be gone. By the end of the, the transfer window, as, as this is just said, um, I think they probably know the bad discussions already, and um, I think just to get that event, just the mood music you're getting around, Mr. Rodriguez, really. Um, that, that, you know, that, he, he seems to be doing all the right things in you know all the training pictures that we've seen, and he was involved in that friendly that we're going to discuss a little bit later yeah. on. Like, he, yeah, he seems to be doing enough, yeah. the right things in that sense. Yeah, but very easy, Andy. Let's face it. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, it's, it's the world they'll be living today, isn't it? The, the, the harder stuff is uh, done behind closed doors, and uh, I suspect that he'll he'll, be, he'll, he'll leave. Uh, just think that, 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 that I said there's been a little bit of previous with me, has hasn't it as well? So mm-hmm. um, I won't I won't be surprised, but you don't know, dear. You don't know. Mm. But that'll be my guess. But going back to you as a question, I don't think we'll have learned anything today from what Benitez said. Mm. I mean, Rodriguez is a big potential outgoing transfer, Conrad, but Benitez didn't really talk all that much about incoming transfers either. Like he, He's not in terms of specifics anyway. He did say that he wanted to add quality to the squad. Uh, but again, Everton fans won't have learned all that much from Benitez's comments today on that front, will you? No, and again, I think he was... 
I think he was showing his wise old head there, wasn't he? That you, you, you don't get too carried away, you don't say too much too soon. Um, I think as, as well, I think the whole incoming transfer thing is, is interesting in many respects in the sense of what Marcel Brands and Rafa's role would have been in, in, in the summer recruitment, you know, who's going to ultimately, you know, have final say, you know, obviously you suspect that there would have been a lot of planning already in place before, before Rafa's arrived in terms of the summer, the summer window. So, you know, are the club still going to be going down on them lines? Is it going to be a case of them targets still going to be pursued or, you know, is Rafa coming now with a kind of list of who he wants and, you know, are we reevaluating things? So I think, in terms of the incoming transfers, it's it's one of them things where you, you you're almost waiting with excitement, I think, and in what's going to come, and to see kinds of who, what type of players we sign, and, and where they, you know, where they kind of who's backing them, whether it be Rafa or or Marcel Brands. But I didn't expect them to, to talk too much on transfers because I think it's still very early days, isn't it? And I think there's a lot, there's probably going to be a lot of talk over the next couple of weeks. Me, you know. Just when you think you know the cooler bar links are gonna are gonna come to a sudden halt now, Carl Ancelotti's finally left. They're still going strong due to his, his Rafa's love of him. So that that's one. But now I think I think there'll be more to come on transfers. I think in the coming weeks, I think you know after the as preseason picks up and Rafa starts to pick you know his actual start 11s, I think we'll get a, a bit more of an insight in terms of where he sees the club need strengthening and where. Who who's kind of overblown and who might be given a second chance because there could be some a couple of wild cards in that squad. Do everyone's kind of wrote off or, or written off because they've not featured much under Carlo? Could be given a, a new lease life now. Rafa's in charge. Mm. I mean, bees in terms of those incoming transfers, mm-hmm. Rafa did talk about uh, financial restrictions quite a couple of times uh, yeah. throughout his press conference. Again, how much do do Everton fans have to read into that? I think there's there's an understanding the players. Have to leave the club as well as yeah. as well as come in, but and the club have spent a lot of money recently. But you know, it's it's still still interesting to see him mention financial restrictions quite a couple of times in his opening presser. Yeah, I think um, whether it's financial fair play and the, and the need to actually get players off the book, whether you're required to do that by law or just by sheer practicality, I think that's always going to have been a big thing at Everton this summer and that the. the um, the bloated squad and the you know the number of uh, big earners who aren't necessarily um, at at the forefront of the, of the plans, whether that was going to be like Carlo Ancelotti or, or again the new the new manager. Yeah, we, we we know the I think we there's a, there's a clear consensus on the areas that do need strengthening first. Uh, the right wing seems to be um, priority number one. You would think. Um, I imagine that was it, it, we heard that he was looking at. Um, as is um, the modern sort of um, fashion to have a, an, an inverted winger, a left footer who could cut inside from from, from the right wing, even though Andre Konchelsky was doing that quite a lot, quarter of a century but ago. But yeah, so that sort of player and uh, maybe an, another right-back, so someone else on the right-hand side, uh, depending on, um, how, how, um, again, Seamus Coleman first, but um, John Joe Kenny was the understudy, wasn't he? And then he went out to loan at Celtic after a previous spell out at Schalke the, the year before. So it seems there's a couple of figures down the right-hand side. And then you're not sure which other areas, whether you need another a midfielder, I mean, a backup striker for um, Calvert-Lewin, another no, keeper to strengthen Pickford, uh, sorry, to sort of keep Pickford on his toes. So... There are a number of areas, but you'd certainly see that right-hand side as being the uh, the priority. But like I said, they, 
if you've got to get rid whether whoever comes in then there's got to be players out going um let's uh, just to just turn too many high earners on the box but it's going to be difficult to shift those those kind of players certainly in a um transfer market which where, where the landscape has been totally affected by uh the global pandemic you know players on um lucrative contracts uh, aren't necessarily um just going to go out because the teams aren't going to want to pay the money for them and um, they're not going to want to take the, the pay cut. So it's always been probably harder to actually go and do that than um, us just saying, well, A, B and C are no longer part of the plans because, you know, they'll, they'll just sit tight in those contracts, you fear. Mm. I mean, I suppose, Cav, on the flip side of potential financial regulations that Everton have to stay inside, there's surely a need that now that they've got a new manager, they're going to have to... They're going to have to back them once again in the transfer window, surely, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you think about it, that would have been one of the key things Bibi says would have wanted because, I mean, exactly. given the mind, like the, 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 the criticism he's had, I'm not he's had personally, I've had a little bit, you know, the criticism of the appointment that Materi has had from Evans, of course, as I said the other week, didn't you know, that, that, that's one thing. But as I say, you are, you are restricted a little bit, though, about financial fair play in the Premier League rules. Having said that, there's been some, some in, in the in the margins this week, there's been talk, hasn't it, from UEFA about changing the FFP rules, perhaps, and making them uh, less stringent. So that might may be in our favour. But he's got, he's got a bat him, hasn't he? He's just... Because he's got... This is quite clearly Mashiri's appointment, isn't it? So more than probably any other, to, to be honest with you, given its controversy and stuff. So therefore, he's got to make it work by back on the manager. I mean, Connor Benitez also discussed what he described as a uh, as a complicated process uh, to to bring him to the football club in the first place, but. You know, it, it it very much seemed as if Everton were the ones to hear that he was available, and then contacted him rather than the other way around. According to according to Benitez, I mean, how how interesting do you find comments like that? Yeah, that that is really interesting because I I, I kind of always had a in my mind, you know, maybe, maybe well, I was very naive now, but in my mind, I always kind of thought it was a case of Rafa, you know, maybe going to Farah Mashiri and, and the club and kind of. You know, angled himself for an interview for the role type sort of thing, and then looked to, you know, put his kind of plans and thoughts to, to the club that way. Um, and I think that I always thought that was maybe how he got the job in terms of, you know, he's, he's been able to get himself an interview, and then he, he simply kind of wowed Farah Mashiri and called with, with, with where he's got plans and, you know, his kind of his in depth analysis that, you know, he's quite renowned for. So it is interesting that the club have kind of seeked him out. Uh, almost and kind of approached him and, and, and said, can, you know, can, can you have a chat? And I think that shows that quite simply, you know, Farah Mashiri was leading the, 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 the charge for the new manager and that, you know, simply nothing was going to stand in, nothing sentimental was going to stand in the way of who he wanted. It was probably going to be a, a clear CV kind of interview based appointments and, and who he thought was best. And, and, and that, that now appears the case. And it is interesting because that just shows that, you know, Farad's kind of very business-like stricken, as you'd imagine, as a as a billionaire businessman, and he does, he's, he's simply shown there's no there's no room for sentiment for him. Whereas perhaps in, in years gone by, there might have been, you know, certainly I think in the, in the years when David Moyes left the club and Rafa was touted as a name, that sentiment probably 
perhaps stopping he says he even get the chance to speak to the club about the role, let alone you know becoming becoming a firm candidate. So it is interesting, and I think it's uh, it's kind of something that was underplayed a little bit at, at the press conference. Not many people kind of got got onto it on social media, but I think if if we ever needed any kind of indication yet that. This was a far off machine appointment. Then, then Benitez's comments confirmed that this afternoon. <laughs> well, I mean, Rafford said uh, it was not so easy at the beginning because they had to con- consider a lot of options. But little by little, they were convinced I could be an option to have a manager with experience who can win trophies and compete. It was what we were looking for from my side and from their side. So, bees as as Connor's rightly mm-hmm. said, I think it kind of confirms the thoughts that we all. That we all had after, in the immediate aftermath of his appointment, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that it's it's well known, isn't it? That many candidates were certainly considered as to how many actually went in and spoke to Mister Mashiri and representatives of Everton. That that's not going to be disclosed because at one point, didn't it? It looked like a lot of outlets were saying that, that Nuno Espirito Santo was very close to the job, and then that changed. Um, I think at various points. Um, the, the owners of the club were, were, were talking to to different people, and as the you know the, the the hierarchy at Goodison Park, there were probably different ideas and different opinions about who that should have been. But as has been said by um, the other gents, um, Mashiri, this is very much his man. And you could also say you wonder with Mr. Osmanoff behind the scenes as well how much influence he might have had. We know that Mr. Mashiri and Mr. Osmanoff. Very close business associates and Mr. Osmanov's uh, nephews just come onto the board as well today. So, how much was was he um, his man as well? I mean, it, it's it's very interesting. Now, um, I've got a, got a couple of pieces that are coming up for um, the weekend, um, sort of comparing this Rafa Benitez situation to what I believe is the closest historical parallel and uh, Arsenal legend George Graham going to Tottenham Hotspur in the, the, the late 1990s. I speak to. Uh, an Arsenal fan, Tom Watt, and a Tottenham fan, Danny Kelly. And uh, Danny Kelly told me about how um, we, uh, as, as, as football fans and, and as, as, even as football journalists, he's obviously the same as us, he's both. And, you know, he included himself as a fan in this. Maybe view football in a certain way and of a degree of um, sort of uh, um, feeling and affection and passion that the way you would treat, um, you know, members of your family. But whereas people who are actually involved in the business be that players or, in this case, uh, a manager. And he said he includes Benitez in the, in what he calls the new breed of super managers. It's just a job and you've got to do what you've got to do. It's a career path. And, you know, with these opportunities come up, you take them. Um, on the one hand, it seems very convenient that this um, prominent job has fallen into a lap on, on his doorstep and um, geographical geographical um, wise, given that, you know, he's just come off what was obviously a, a difficult stint in China, both in terms of his family and um, the, the results out there. But yeah, there were, there were obviously um, various factions pushing in different directions, but it, it, it seems um, that once those talks progressed, it seemed more and more inevitable that the man at the top, Mr. Mashiri, um, saw that um, saw Benitez as his man. Mm. He's quite rightly mentioning at the start there that Alicia Osmanov's nephew, Sabah Ismailov, and Grant Ingalls, who's the finance director, yeah. um, and they have both been uh, appointed to Everton's board. But, Gav, just to just to round off on Rafa's press conference now, I mean, uh, something that's come up in a lot of things that Rafa's said, I think I, no- I noticed him saying the phrase, 
in his first interview when he was first appointed and he said it again today. He said that he wants to walk the walk rather than talk the talk. And I mean, I, I think he, he, yeah. he very much realises that, you know, it, in, in the grand scheme of things, what he says in this press, press conference doesn't really matter all that much, does it? I mean, it, it's all about it's all about the results <laughs> come August, really, and into September. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I said that before, didn't I, about Rodriguez, all this type of stuff. It's all fluffy, isn't it? It's, it's all the hard stuff is done, you know, out, in away from the cameras. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and let's face it, he's got a sack record of, you know, walking the walk, hasn't he? Albeit, you know, most successfully a decade ago. Uh, I think if he's going to walk the walk, he'll probably have to resolve some of them issues. You spoke about earlier on about what professionals have said to him has gone wrong previously. So that will be a that will be interesting to see. But the other thing I say about that is, Ben, because I'm focusing on that, aren't I? Is they've got to hold their hands up, have Players. You know, you can't just say, oh, it's gone wrong because, oh, such and such didn't happen or, you know, Carlo didn't do this or Marco didn't do that. They've got to, uh, they've got to sort of, they've got to walk the walk, haven't they, as well? Uh, and um, so, although I think that that is quite right to focus on that, he's got to, they've got to, it's their side of the bargain that they've got to uh, keep as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the more I think about it since he's been appointed, I think, it makes more sense um, in terms of his attributes uh, as a coach, in terms of meeting the, the, the requirements of the squad. And he, he spoke about success today, didn't he? And I think, I think it's that attention to detail, his tactical awareness, levels of fitness, all that type of stuff, which was, let's face it, missing a little bit under Ancelotti, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think um, I think it's exactly what the squad needs. So... Mm. Um, I, the more I think about it, and I said that when he's appointed it, this quest, that's what effectively what he wanted, I would imagine. Mm. About when appointing Benitez, so it makes more sense to me now. I've been today and sort of thought about it in the two or three weeks since he's been appointed. But I think he's eminently capable of um, of improvements and, and sort of achieving the things he wanted to. You know, he was, he was talking about today. You know, he can walk the walk for us. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, the squad got their first chance to impress Rafa Benitez in in a, in a way on a Saturday with a little bit of a surprise, well, surprise for us, I suppose, uh, friendly uh, against Accrington Stanley at Finch Farm. Everton coming out 3-0 winners with goals from Tom Cannon, Lewis Gibson and Anthony Gordon. Uh, two 40-minute halves apparently played in that little training exercise at Finch Farm. Uh, Connor, how much do you think Rafa would have been able to take from that? I mean, it, it rounded off his his first week of of training with the squad, I suppose. So, do you think he will have learned much, or will it have just been purely for fitness purposes? I think it would have purely been for fitness reasons. I think it, it's it probably would have been incredibly hard until learn anything from it. Um, it was it was obviously good to see Gabanan claim an assistant and get a run out and. Maybe he might have learned something there in terms of, you know, he's actually been able to see what potentially Cabanon can bring to the table. Um, but apart, I think on the whole, I think it was just mainly a fitness exercise, the transfer, you know, the place to, to get a run out and, you know, for him to, and for him to maybe see as well some of the, you know, the, the, the talents who've not been around, the likes of Anthony Gordon and people like that, who obviously spent, you know, the second half of last season out on loan, a chance for him to see them. But 
I think we'll we'll see more. I think that the, the second game in in the states and then the Man United one way. I think we'll then we'll then kind of see what what, what type of Everton Rafa Benitez is planning on, how they're going to line up, kind of what formation they're going to play. I think I think that the yeah, that then the, the upcoming one in the first game in the states will, be, will probably just be a, a similar kind of run out of the chance for people to get some you know minutes in the legs type thing. But I think that the two friendlies that will be really where you'll be able to judge and see how Rafa Benitez plans on taking the seventeen forwards will be the the second game in the in the US and then the Manchester United one a week before the season because I think ultimately it's it's so kind of scratched about isn't it? there's internationals still away there's, there's been a couple of lads who've been in quarantine who, who've been doing their own individual bits so I think it's so kind of it's almost it's hard to judge in terms of there's just there's, there's going to be players there who've featured who not featured on Saturday you imagine will be you know should be Near the start of eleven, the first chance to come to the first game of the season. So, I think Saturday's game was solely a fitness purpose. But you know, a win's a win, and it was good to see, like I say, it was good to see Gabbana get some minutes in the legs and claim an assist because hopefully, you know, he could be the the emerging star of Everton. I know it sounds strange, <laughs> he's been <laughs> for the club so long ago, but you know, hopefully, he get a run and become a, a, a real kind of emerging star, and we, we'll all be kicking ourselves what we've missed out on over the last number last couple of years. Mm. Connor says, certainly nice to see Gabamon get some minutes under his belt, bees. But it would have been very nice for a couple of young strikers as well. As I mentioned, Tom Cannon getting himself on the score sheet, opening the scoring in the first half. And Lewis Dobbin also getting on the pitch in the second half for a, for a period of time as well. You know, two two very young lads uh, just making their first steps in the under-23s, but giving a, giving a little bit of a taste of senior football, if, albeit in a behind-closed-doors game of Finch Farm. But it would have been very nice for pair of them to play alongside the likes of James Rodriguez and players like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, these are the ones who can really sort of benefit from um, those kind of uh, training games. I mean, Benitez, is, you know, like I said, he, he's had a spell in China and he's been out in the Premier League for a while, but, you know, he'll have a handle on all the main players. He he knows what James Rodriguez can and can't do. He knows, you know, about your, your Calvert-Lewins and Pickfords of this world. That It'd be the, the, these young lads who are, you know, unknown quantities who sort of the most to gain from these sort of opportunities, not just in playing alongside the, the first teamers and learning from them, but yeah, under a watchful eye of a new manager, it, it's a, it's a clean sort of week for everyone, um, that, a, new, a new opportunity, chance to impress the, the new gaffer. But like I said, I'm also someone like um, Gabamin. He, he's, he's almost in the, in the same kind of territory to a certain extent in that, you know, he's just someone who's, Hardly kicked a ball in two years at, at the club. I mean, he just wants to get there to just st- show he can stay fit. But, you know, if he can avoid the injuries, then he's ultimately one of the the, the, the big name players at the club. This is somebody who was brought in at 20, 25 million and was, uh, great things were expected of him. But it just hasn't worked out with that because these chronic injuries he's he's had. If, if, if he can um, show the new manager what he's about, it, it, it's an overused cliche, isn't it? But it's almost like a, a new signing because it, 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 he's, he's virtually done nothing, you know, no fault of his own. He's not deliberately picked up those injuries. He, he'll be hurting more than anyone because of that. But yeah, but whether young or old, these players who did get out there and uh, have Benitez's watchful eye under them, yeah, it's a, it's a massive opportunity for them. Mm. I mean, one of those... One of those interested observers from the sidelines, Gav, was uh, Moise Keane. He returned to Finch Farm after, as Connor rightly says, yeah. his quarantine period after after being abroad and needing to isolate after that. But, you know, his, his future's still 
very much up in the air, isn't it? And it's still going to be very interesting to see how much of a part he plays in in Rafa Benitez's pre-season, isn't it? Whether he plays a part in the pre-season, whether he plays a part, part in the season is, a, is the question, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, you would hope he plays a part in the season, he's getting him some fitness. Uh, he's another one, isn't he, really keen as, you know, we were talking, Chris was saying before about having to move people on, you know, that uh, he'd, be, he'd be one of them, wouldn't he? I just the way the web, I'm just thinking the way if you think the way Benitez has set up his teams over the years and, and the sort of strengths that he wants, it's like discipline, isn't it? Hard work, consistency, where you know where the team, all that, all, all attributes that you don't necessarily associate with Moyes teams, to be honest with you. No, not not that's not Chris, and that's because I think it's an experience, isn't it, for the star where he plays on the pitch. I think it doesn't strike me as fitting into a, a Benitez lineup. Uh, mm. To be fair, you can see Cavaloon fitting in. You can mm. you can see probably the, the Charleston fitting in, but Moyes Keane, I'm not sure. And I think if there's an opportunity to sell him, you know, we make a we though we bought him for out of million, we will make a decent profit on him because most of the transfer fee is being accounted for by fair proposed of us being accounted for already so we can make a profit on them if we sell them and bring cash into the club uh, and I think that might sort of you know tip the scales um, of course you've got to find somebody who wants to play them don't you this is slightly mm. different you know leave PSG's live an impasse mm. um, it's another one like Rodriguez the mood music is you know is doesn't indicate to me that he's going to be here next season, and that might be for the benefit of everybody else, you know, mm. you know, within the club. I think, I think the other thing you don't, you don't go on loan again, do you? I don't think that no. helps anybody. Mm. You know, but, uh, it, yeah, don't I, think it's going to be So, uh, well, I mean, it, I, I think Connor, there's. I think Gab's completely right in what he's saying there, but I think as he quite rightly alluded to as well, there's no there's no real guarantees that Everton are gonna get the right sort of cash offer, are they? You know, there's no there's no guarantee that you know there's gonna be clubs out there who've got the kind of money uh, that Everton wants to spend on Moise Keane. So if he is, if he is to stay at Goodison Park, do you think there is a way that he can work out in Rafa Benitez's system? I mean, when he was on loaner. PSG last season, he wasn't playing through the middle all the time. He did pop up on the right flank, especially towards the latter stages of last season, and he was still performing quite well there. Do you think that might be a possibility at Everton next season? I think anything's, anything's a possibility. I think in terms of fitting, I think he, he's just got to work hard and show what he says he's willing to learn and adapt and, and, and play the way he wants to play, and, you know, almost kind of swallows pride a little bit and, and do things, you know, maybe become a team player rather than an out and out number nine build the team around him I think but I think what Gav said there though about the, in terms of the finances that to me that seems the biggest thing from this whole PSG saga I think it's quite clear that they're kind of pushing for another loan deal with the option to buy next summer um, which I think Everton would be absolutely you know ludicrous to accept because again that's just then kind of it's another year gone on Keane's contract it's another year where he's kind of he, he's temporarily off, off the wage bill Um 
but then there's no guarantee that they'll actually buy. They, they could trigger that next summer. Um, so I think, ultimately, I think it could be a case of Moise Keane might not have no option but to kind of work hard and show that he's willing to learn and, and, and willing to play under Rathbone because it might be his only, it's the only way he, he'll be playing football next season because, you know, there's there's no, there's no, you know, I've got no absolute, no reason to bow down to his or PSG's, G's demands and, and ultimately back a, a transfer that doesn't, you know, sit, sit well with them and, and one that will leave many fans questioning the, the transfer approach. So I think for, for Moise Keane, I think it's quite simple. I think he's got to knuckle down and just get on with it and see what comes. I think that he can't sit there and hope that, you know, Everton will just accept what PSG brings to the table and, and he can swan back off to Paris for another season. I, th- I think that's far from the truth. And I think because of that, he, he, he'll have to show that he can work under Rafa Benitez and he can, he can fit into his team because if he doesn't, and he, you know, Everton are unable to, to do a deal with PSG. But he, again, he's on the outside looking in. He's already been, you know, he's missed out on the chance to win a European Championship medal with Italy already. Um, this summer just gone. So he can't really afford another season where, you know, he's out in the cold. And, and Everton can't afford another season where he, he's out in the cold because at the end of the day, he was a big money transfer. And you, you, you imagine his wages are quite high. Mm. Well, speaking of the European Championships, I think that neatly brings us on to the last point of the podcast, please. Yeah. We've. <laughs> We've not seen Jordan Pickford back at Finch Farm because he's been performing admirably for England over the course of the Euros this summer. And unfortunately, it ended in disappointment for him on Sunday, losing on penalties. But his performance in that final was exceptional once again, wasn't it? It kind of highlights the the form that we've been seeing from him, you know, not just for England over the last few weeks, but probably since late January, mid-February, yeah. almost. Yeah, I mean, that was the pertinent, that was the pertinent point, wasn't it? How um seems to be this agenda, this narrative throughout the tournament, that, on the one hand, claiming that John Pickford only does well for, for England. Uh, and then um, we you know what we've seen from sort of February onwards. You know, um, we were um, going through um, his, his performances with the match ratings. I know you did a lot of those yourself. And, you know, there were nines, eights in there. I don't think he dropped below six on um, the the last dozen games he started for Everton. So that's just not true at all. He went into the tournament in form and he's gone and carried that on. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Whenever you, Whoever is England number one, and this is the first time Everton have had an England number one, you're, you're going to be under a massive spotlight, aren't you? Everything you do is going to be scrutinised under under the microscope there and, and it, it, it was the same wasn't it in the end of the semi-final when he finally conceded the goal people saying oh well he should have got to that free kick I mean sometimes you just got to say amazing hit and it was the same in the final like I said for a long time didn't necessarily have a lot to do but whenever he was called upon he was excellent and he made that initial save for, for, um, which led to the equaliser. I mean, for once, his detractors couldn't actually say, well, he pushed it straight back into play there. I mean, it was, it was an incredible save. And yeah, what could he do? Um, Benucci was there to poke it in. And then you're an incredibly unfortunate, aren't you, as any goalkeeper, if you save two penalties in a penalty shootout out of the five and you still end up on the losing side, um, yeah, he, he couldn't have done any more. And as Evertonians can just hope that it can be a, a massive plus for them. He'll be absolutely gutted, as all the England players will, to have missed out on that. I think Italy were the best team in the tournament, but England are never going to have a better chance to win it than you know if you've got all bar one games in your own stadium. You go after, you go ahead after two minutes in your own stadium in the final, still end up losing. Well, 
I know France lost on home turf and then went on to win the World Cup, but I think that's England's best chance to win something. So John's going to be gutted on that point of view, but from an Everton point of view, just going back to being Everton's Jordan Pickford now for a, for a few weeks when he get he gets back, you know, the place where everybody does sort of appreciate him. I mean, Evertonians more know as much as anyone, you know, they, the highs and lows of Jordan Pickford and experience that because he did have a tough side um, time the first half of last season. Managed to turn that around. And yeah, he, he was excellent throughout um, the tournament and hopefully that can be a big plus going into the new season for Everton. Mm. I think Bees is quite right there, Gav, isn't he? I mean, uh, Jordan Pickford can take, you know, while he might be disappointed now, I think he can take an immense amount of pride from his performances over the course of the summer. And, you know, in terms of Everton, you know, this is probably the most consistent form we've seen from Pickford since probably his first season at Goodison. He was obviously very good throughout that season. Yeah. But, you know, we're just, we've just got to hope. I mean, I wrote a piece the, a couple of days ago saying that Jordan Pickford can become a real leader at Everton from this point on. And perhaps that's the that's the next step that he needs to make, isn't it? I got that impression in the second half of last season that he was a little bit of a leader, to be honest with you, lads. I think uh, mm-hmm. there was a complete change of demeanor. It's obviously been worked on off the pitch. Um, I think he uh, he looked far more in control. Um, I know he had a few aberrations during the Euros, and a couple of missed kicks against uh, Ukraine and a couple of kicks to Denmark to the opposition. But that was even to the best goalkeepers, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fully endorse what Chris was saying. I'd say he was heroic, wasn't he? The final was nearly heroic. Mm. He was heroic in the... In the yeah. I mean, they, 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 I saw a picture yesterday, the freeze frame from... Uh, it was a Georgino's penalty. And mm. when he's striking it, he, st- he has moved. Pickford, he's given himself the last, you know, last of opportunity to move. And he's a brilliant save. And, you know, in a, a parallel universe, you know, Saka scores, Pickford takes the next penalty, then scores the, uh, the sixth goal. I mean, <laughs> which reminds me, he should have been one of the five penalty takers, shouldn't he? 100%. Pickford, you know, I was looking at this penalty in the Nations League, uh, yeah, you see, it was like Harry Maguire's. It was just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think uh, yeah, I, the danger with Jordan is, you know, that sometimes things go, things go to his head and he doesn't come back. It's relatively short period of time. It's a month, isn't it, on the back of this, and all of a sudden he's got a little bit of excitable over stuff, you know, so he just needs to keep a level head. I have this theory that he's lost all the stone, you know, and... Uh, mm-hmm. I think he definitely looks more agile uh, since he come back and announced it over the summer. He just, he's getting down to shots quite easily. Now we know that going to the court. In one day he struggled, he just looks far more mobile and agile. So I, don't know. I think that's training. But he just looks slimmer and more fitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, I went to this to me mate. My mate's got this theory that if you, if you go your hair on, it makes yourself look, makes it, look slimmer and therefore everybody else. Have you other part of your body, which uh, I don't know whether that's uh, I mean, that's like being a barber this morning, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, he, look, he, he just looks, I don't know about you, he just looks fitter, mm, more no, agile uh, than what, he, what, what he's done, you know, uh, for a couple of years at Everton. He, he, I, just, I just think he's uh, maybe just lost half a stone. I thought he was an exceptional in the tournament. Saved two penalty, penalty shoots, I was going to end up on the losing team. It's not many goalies do that, is there? Um, uh, a couple of good saves of the tournament and you know he'd argue that he was the England's man of the tournament couldn't he really but still mm-hmm. uh, probably only kept out of the team in the tournament by Donnarumma uh, I hope he said his name properly there by the way uh, <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, excellent. But he's just got to keep level head. Forget about the summer. Focus on focus on uh, repeating that form at Everton this year. And um, you know, if he does, I'm sure he'll have an exceptional season and, and build on what he's uh, produced in the first six months of this year for club and country. Mm. But of course, Connor, it wasn't only Jordan Pickford who was involved in the England squad, was it? It was a uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin was there as well. Only managed to get. 18 minutes, I think it was, across on on the pitch across the whole tournament. Didn't come on in the final. Inexplicably to me, I thought he absolutely should have been off the bench. If he was off the bench, I think he should have took a penalty as well. I mean, do you think Calvert-Lewin will feel a certain level of disappointment in that sense, coming coming back to Everton? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think he couldn't have gone into that tournament with any kind of, after the season he's had, and the, 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 the season in which he kind of he kind of turned us all from, you know, doubters to believers, um, to, to coin a, a cheesy phrase from across the park. But <laughs> I think um, in terms of his goal-scoring runs and his goal-scoring form, I think, you know, everyone going into last season, everyone had concerns that he wasn't an out-and-out number nine. He wasn't an out-and-out number nine who could score goals. You know, we quickly kind of rammed all them, them thoughts down our throats and, and was an absolute star for Everton. Um, I know we tailed off a little bit towards the end, but I think that had a lot to do, quite frankly, with the fact that the whole team kind of tailed off towards the end and, you know, James wasn't playing and he wasn't really getting the service, was he? He was he was kind of back to that, you know, fighting fighting off scraps and having to run the channels and stuff. So I think he will have a, a massive disappointment because I think there was a not just a final for me though, I think there was a lot of games in that in the tournament where you, you, you're thinking he might just get on here for the last 10, 15 minutes and, and look to stretch it and open the game up and you know he was constantly overlooked. I think you know the Germany game he never made the squad, did he? He wasn't in the 23-man squad. He was one of the, mm. the three who, was, who, who had to sit and watch from the stands. So, I, th- I think for me, he, he looked back on that summer as a, as a massive missed opportunity for himself personally and one that kind of, one that got away from him, especially in the final because I think we were we were all sitting there screaming for a bit of fresh legs and a bit of something different up top. And and I think almost just to put up to, to, to compete with Benucci and, and Cialini, I think just more than anything, I think you you would have hoped that he'd have gone on maybe been able to ruffle, ruffle, ruffle up a little bit and, and battle because, you know, England were struggling, weren't they? You know, second half and then certainly an extra time, they, they were struggling really to, to hold the ball up top and and get up the pitch. So, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be one that got away from him, I think. And the only, the only good thing for him now is if he can continue his impressive form, which he has done, he, he's got the perfect chance next year to go, go to a World Cup and, and, and try and stick a claim and, and, and look to move forward. But, no, I think it, it was one that got away from from. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and I think one that kind of really massively disappointed. It probably, it probably mixed emotions for him, isn't it? I think the, the whole experience would have been unbelievable to be be a part of what it was. But for him personally, I think he, he'll have a, a little bit of regret and a little bit of disappointment in the fact that he wasn't able to manage more more game time and, and, and show his worth. Mm. Well, fingers crossed he can prove Gareth Southgate promptly wrong uh, throughout the course of next season. But that's all we've got time for today. Thank you chaps for joining us uh, we'll be back uh, soon enough to discuss all of the latest Everton news as Rafa Benitez continues those pre-season preparations ahead of the 2021-22 campaign don't forget you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from and don't forget you can follow the conversation as well on Twitter and Facebook this has been the Royal Blue Podcast you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo